0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hey guys, Grant KSU here. Just going to talk to you real quick about the Patreon that we launched this week. It is live now. You can head over there and subscribe if you wish. Um, it's got three tiers. The first tier is two dollars a month. That tier is just going to help us out with general funding towards the show. Um, if you like us, you listen to us, we would love it. Love it if you could subscribe to that one and just, you know, help us out, keep the show going, help us make it a little bit better. Uh, the second tier is $4 a month. This tier gets you an extra episode a month and a new logo koozie. So that's 12 um, episodes a year extra that you get and no one else gets unless they subscribe with you. And our last tier is One of the Boys. That's $10 per month. This tier gets you an extra episode a month, a new logo koozie, an exclusive t-shirt, and you get to make a guest appearance on the show and help us out with one of our segments. So just go over there and check it out. I would recommend getting the app if you're going to do it. Um, I subscribe to several different uh, Patreons um, just through the app, or I guess you could go to the website and just go to patreon.com and search Bosco's Boys. Thanks, guys. Check it out.
2: Boneheads, we are back. It's our 100th episode. We have a great one lined up for you. Before we get into it, real quick, you know our sponsors, MyBookie, use promo code BOYS for that deposit bonus. And Armchair All Americans, we are partnered with them, SeatGeek A C A A, for $20 off your first ticket over at SeatGeek. And we have this special guest. It's the greatest of all time. He wore number seven. He changed the lives of almost every K-State fan in the 90s. It is Michael Bishop. Michael, thank you for coming on with us.
0: Yes, sir. Glad to be here. and I'm uh, very proud to be a part of the 100 episodes, so
2: let's make it happen. Yeah, it's going to be the biggest one of all time. I think i would let Grant jump right in with question. We're going to get this rolling because I think I put quite a few questions on here, and I don't want to take too much of your time.
1: All right, let's just jump right into it then. Mr. Bishop, coming out of high school... Something a lot of people didn't know about you is that you got drafted by the Cleveland Indians. First off, how good were you at baseball, and did any part of you consider, you know, going that professional baseball route?
0: Uh, yes, sir, I did. I mean, I, I was a great baseball player. Well, I thought I was a great play, baseball player. Um, played catcher, played a little bit of third base, pissed a little bit, um, ended up making all-state here in the state of Texas and was able to be drafted by the Cleveland Indians. Um, I actually played um, – my first semester at Blinn Junior College, I played football, and then I played on a baseball team. So, and um, I I I, I, try, I wanted to stick it out and maybe had a hope of playing uh, on the baseball team at K State, but because Snyder felt different, it kept me uh, all to itself.
2: That's actually something that Dave Allen. We had him on earlier this summer. He had a uh, similar situation where he thought he might get to play baseball, and Bill was not having that.
0: Yeah, you know, most coaches, you know, they the. Tell you that you can come in and you can do both sports, but you know their main goal is to have the best athletes on the field at all times, and I think that was uh, a situation with both David and myself.
2: Yeah, well, selfishly as someone uh, who fell in love with those football teams, I'm glad you guys are 100 percent football. Uh, but I always wondered this: you're one of the most electric talents ever to play college football. Can you talk about your and how you ended up at Blinn?
0: Well, I ended up at Blinn because here in state Texas, I mean there is so many great uh, athletes that come out every year. And uh, you know, if you, if you if you can't make your mind up when they want you to make your mind up, they'll pass you up, you know, they'll go get another guy because you know, it's it's, it's football is so huge here. And um, I ended up going to Blend at the last minute, um, because my high school coach I, I was gonna go do baseball the last minute. And, you know, I said, Well, you know, I still have the pass before um who's who's gonna give me an opportunity. And I originally uh wanted to go to University of Texas. And Baylor came in at the end, but Baylor wanted me to play safety. And uh, I, at that time, I, I I you know, I I, 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 I go to a junior college, but I, I opportunity. And um, I I took a visit there and um, met some of the players. What people don't know about junior colleges is there's players that, that can absolutely start at, you know, major D1s. They just had to take the long route. And um, for me, I, I didn't have to take the long but I'm glad I took the long route.
1: So you dominated, Blinn. You guys won two national titles, and then you came to K-State. Who was your runner-up in recruitment, and what was it that led you to come to K-State? Why did you choose K-State?
0: Well, um, well I think if I had to pick a runner-up, um, it probably would have had to be U- uh, UT because I'm a Texas guy. But at the same time, when I met Coach Snyder and Coach Moore Lattimore, which, uh, <clears throat> which came down with Coach Snyder, they sat in the living room, and you know, after six hours of Coach Snyder talking – my uh, my mom basically said, she said I, "I like this guy. I think this is where we're gonna go." And so, you know, you know, moms knows best. So, you know, there was no doubt in my mind after, after she told me that, and and you know, I came up and we played our second national title in Excelsior Springs, Missouri, and uh, I came and took my visit from from there at K State. And uh, once I got there, you know, I, I was able to meet some of the players that were still there, and and my mind was already made up. I was coming there to play the quarterback.
2: Well, I think all K-State fans need to uh, said a heartfelt thank you to your mom then. <laughs> um, oh, I knew So it. what was the atmosphere like when you came into the team it, on campus before the 97 season? Did everyone realize that that team was going to be one of the most elite teams in college football that season? Or when did that realization come across?
0: Well, well for me, um, I had... I... Got accustomed to winning, and uh, when I first came to Manhattan and started meeting some of the other players, I don't think they knew, uh, you know, my background and where I came from and what, you know, what I've done the, the prior two years. They just knew that, you know, they had a uh, a junior college quarterback coming in, and and they was, you know, waiting to see what what I brought to the table. But um, for me, you know, it's always a challenge every day, so I was ready for any challenge that it was, was. And you know, when you when you're a new guy and there's guys who've been there, it's, uh, you know, Beasley, uh, Adam Ham, Casey Dickinson, uh Some of those guys had already been there. And so, you know, it it was kind of mixed feelings in there when I first got there because I know they wanted to play just like I wanted to play. So when you're a new guy, you have to, you know, walk a fine line until everybody understands that, hey, I'm here to win games.
1: That same season in uh, 1997, you lost to the eventual national champions, Nebraska, which was the first loss of your college career. The legend is that in the huddle of that game, you ripped the team and called them quitters. Can you give us any details or insight in that moment? Well,
0: for, for me, um, you know, K-State had to be Nebraska in, in what, those 29 years, or 28 years uh, prior. So, you um, know, I, I was accustomed to winning. Um, and when I, when I got there, and, um, I seen that the way that the, the game was going, you know, it, it was some things that that I thought we could have done better. So, in the locker room, I basically said, hey, you know what? I didn't come this far to, uh, to be in a situation like this. And, and I questioned some of the guys. You know, I basically questioned the effort. Uh, you know, I, I questioned, um, you know, if they wanted to beat, still be there, and finish out the second half. And then after the game, you know, when we lost, you know, I, I still, you know, I spoke up for the team. And I was like, you know, based, I think some of us laid it down after we got down. You know, they jumped out on us early, and scored, and then it seemed like the air went out of the, out of the stadium for us. And I think now uh, looking back on it, I think some of the players knew where I was coming from, but at that time, I think a lot of them, uh, you know, maybe took a step back, and maybe thought that I was, you know, being selfish. But, I was only uh, speaking from my heart because of the prior situations I had been in, and and um, you know I wanted to win. I wanted to win bad.
1: Did the bitterness of that loss help motivate you to what became a 19-game winning streak?
0: Well, I think it. I think it motivated the team. I mean, I like I said, I've been accustomed to winning, so you know, my, with my first loss and and having to uh, to go back and you know think about what happened and and, and looking forward, I think that after I made the statement to to the guys they knew that you know what time it was and what what direction we we need to go in. So I think that prepared us up to say, hey, you know, we know we just we just took a bad loss. Now let's let's turn this into something positive, which we
2: did. So you guys really did turn it into something positive after that ninety seven game, after that loss you rolled through the rest of the season. You went to the best bowl game in K State history and absolutely demolished the Syracuse Orangemen led by some dude named Donovan McNabb. I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like a scrub, but uh what do you remember what do you remember from that game down in Arizona and what can you tell us about that experience?
0: Well I remember um, you know, Syracuse and, and, and some of their players, they weren't giving us any props. You know, even you know, if you go to a bowl game bowl committee, they always have these uh, competitions between both both schools and and um, you know we we were winning the competitions and uh, I remember you know me and, Mac, me and McNabb had a couple of words about we had a, a, the quarterback challenge and, and I clearly won and then I remember him telling me said so you can win all the arcade games I'm gonna win the big game and I think uh, that 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 spirit you know myself and the rest of my teammates and and we had no doubt in our mind that we were gonna go out there and take care of business which we did so um, we ended up getting the last lap as well with that also
2: yeah i've always thought he was scrubs so i'm going put him in his place
1: <laughs> so the 97 season ends you finished seventh ranked in the nation was it a painful and long offseason just waiting to get back on the field 98 well
0: it was it wasn't painful because uh you know there's, uh, there's a there's guy on the team that didn't play much but i uh, had talent to be stars so it was a bunch of cover a uh, you know, a lot of guys going back and forth competing because you know, everybody wants to play so that that whole off season we worked hard in and like I say, it, it was a battle day in and day out. And the question of course, you know, Coach Snyder, he's, he's not letting anybody rest. So you had to be in your A game the whole off season and your expectations were, were pushed through the roof because of the success we had the first year at 7 So, you know, everybody knew the direction and everybody was geared up and, you know, we was ready, we wasn't, uh, we wasn't you know, taking any steps back.
2: So when you guys were prepping for the 98 season, you came in as a top five team, was it a truly national change or bust mentality coming into that year?
0: You know, with I mean, it's as it's as a team and the guys. You know, that's what we love to think. But um, uh, you know, with Coach Snyder, you know, you it's, it's one game at a time. It's who's next on the schedule. So he kind of got us in that mentality. But in the back of, in the back of uh, our mind, we we were saying to ourselves, we can prove we can prove that we can play it at a high high level. Um, there's no reason why we can't play for the national title. And that was our goal. You know, was going to beat beat everybody in the conference and 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 we
1: decided the national title. So during the first nine games, you guys did. To- pretty much murder the competition outside of that uh, Colorado game, which finished 16-9. When you beat Colorado in Manhattan in 1997, it was the first time beating them at all since 1984. And then you went and beat them in Boulder in 98. It was the first time in that since 1973. While Nebraska, in that streak that was broken, gets a ton of notoriety on how important it was, how important was it to the team getting those Colorado wins and getting over that Colorado hump?
0: Well, you know, uh, what a lot of fans don't get to see is, is the guys that have been there the past in the past seasons and the guys who, who hadn't got over the hump. So for me and uh I was I'm so excited to see guys like Justin Swift, Jeremy Martin, uh Ryan Young, um, Lamar Chapman, um, Darren Howard, I'm just excited to see those guys get on, be able to get over that hump of, of not being able to beat Colorado since they had been there at K State. So there was there was small victories but there was huge victories inside that locker room.
2: Yeah, and, that, and I, I, I remember talking to my dad about the 97-98 seasons, and that's actually the first thing he brings up is getting over that Colorado hump. So I, I don't think that you guys get enough credit for finally getting that done. But even after that Colorado game, you were still a month out from the Nebraska game. Uh, you got over it. How much was the team starting to zero in on November 14th, or were you guys still really focused week to week, even with that test with Nebraska looming?
0: Well, I, I, I'll tell you a little secret. Uh, as far as um, the teams that we were playing, you know, we did, we did, our we did our homework. We studied film. Uh, we knew, we knew what they were going to be doing. We knew all the tendencies we knew all the coverages and, and we were so focused on that. But uh, every week there was also focused on Nebraska. Uh, I remember, you know, sitting in coach uh, Snyder's uh, office and we'll watch film on Colorado. We'll watch film on Missouri. In the last 30 minutes, we watching big red. So I was, I was being prepped the whole season for that showdown.
1: Can you walk us through, you know, how you remember the buildup to that game versus Nebraska from your perspective Because almost, you know, anyone who is of age to remember that game considers it, you know, their favorite game of all time. It was on college game day, but from a player's perspective, what was that day like?
0: Well, for me, I had, a, I had a junior college buddy by the name of Brandon Harrison that uh that started for court started corner for Nebraska and, and we both from Texas. So I had been communicating with him as well. And, you know, he basically told me from, from the film, from the prior season, um, that we weren't, we weren't ready for for them and we will never end up beating them. So I had extra motivation, number one, but, uh, the preparation, I mean, it, it was, it was, you, you, you could, you could come in the room and you could tell that that the guys was focused, you know, nobody was saying anything. Everybody was so intense. Um, you, you, knew, you knew it was something special that was going to happen. We didn't know how it was going to happen but we just knew something special was going to happen. And right up until game time, you know, everybody was still locked in. We was loaded. We was ready to go. And then, you know, you get that excitement of you come out you come out the tunnel and you hear um, the greatest fans in the nation, you know, roar and, and, and be ready for us to go to war. Uh, from that point on, you know, we knew we had a job to do no matter how it looked. We
1: just wanted to come away with a victory. Man, I, can't, I don't care how bad it looks. I might have to watch that game tonight on YouTube. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I tell you, I really wish you played your HD television because I went back and watched that game a couple of years ago on YouTube. It's insane, mm-hmm. the quality of picture from, you know, the 90s to nowadays, and I, I would kill someone to see some HD highlights from those those years. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> well, maybe one day technology will be able to restore that to its proper glory, but when it finally became evident that you guys were going to win the game, you know, the, the, they tried to the field two or three times before the game was actually over. What were your emotions like when you finally realized, hey, we did this, we finally did this, uh, the, the big single game for the regular season, you guys got that win?
0: Well, I'll tell you when, when when I realized, well, the first time they stole the field and I knew it was, you know, three two to three seconds still left on the clock. So, you know, I was just saying, hey, you know, let, let's, we got, we got one more snap. We got one more snap, and then it's over. But immediately after that, when, when I knew it was over, I was looking for coach night because, um, you know, the, the countless hours, um, the means that me and him had and the, how he felt about, you know, having a chance to beat Nebraska. I knew all of that going into the game. So for me, that was the biggest thing was, Hey, I got a chance to, I got a chance to be a, be a part of something special. And this is going to be pivotal for, for coach night. And I, and I wanted to make sure that, that I did my part. You know, and I wanted to be there and see his face and see his emotion um, after that game, and, and I seen it. It, it, was, it was it was something I never seen out of, out of him, you know, since I had been there. You know, I just seen a sign of relief on his face, and he just looked at me with that smile, and um, you know, I kind of smiled back, and he was like, "Hey, we got it done. We got it done."
1: Young Bill was something different, man. totally different than, than what we're used to now. But so right. you beat Nebraska. This game, is school history, you're ten and zero. Number one in the nation in some polls. How hard was it to refocus and turn around and get ready to play a good Missouri team that next week on the road?
0: Well, you know, it, it wasn't hard at all because um, back then Missouri had uh, a safety and the corner. I can't remember the names right now, but all they did was talk trash. They talked trash, and somehow, some way, um, you know, when you put when you put it out there, it always get back to your opponent. And I remember uh, some of the coaches saying, "Hey." They they put it on our board. This guy's saying this, this guy saying that. And it was a perfect opportunity for Missouri to say, Hey, we, we play, we're we're playing an undefeated team. Let's shark let's shock the world. So but on the other hand, we knew what we had at state. We knew that, you know, we had been playing well, we knew we were undefeated. We knew that all we had to do was keep winning in order to have a, have an have an opportunity to play for the national title. So our focus was let's go in, let's go into Missouri, let's take care of business and let's get out of Missouri.
2: Yep. So you guys take care of business. And uh, eventually I, I actually thought I phrased or got the uh, outline. So I wasn't going to have to be the one to ask this question, but I, I I do. (laughs) Um, We have to touch on the A&M game. When you think back and recall that game, what, what are your memories uh, about that game that no one likes talking about? So forgive me for having to ask.
0: Oh no, you're fine. I I can talk about it all day. Um, Well, personally, um, you know, I, I, I had, maybe 15 guys that I played against in high school that was on the a team um, my, my 97 year and 98 year. So, you know, I, I was already familiar with a lot of those guys and, and going back and forth about, hey, you guys, you got, if you guys win, your guys got a chance to play for the national title. Do you really think they're going to let y'all play for it? So there was a lot of not going back and forth, you know, during the course of the week. But, um, you know, going back to that game, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that, that we were the better team. Um, I think we were up 27, 13. And, and in my opinion, I think we took out, we took our foot off the gas, um, you know, during the course of the year, it wasn't nothing for us to score, you know, 60, 70 points. And I think, uh, at that time, I think we should have went ahead and did that. And we should have made a, made a bold statement. And we would, we would have left, you know, it would have been no doubt that we were the better team and we had a chance to play for the national title. But, you know, like I know if, if you, if you let a team hang around and they get a little momentum, then, you know, anything can happen. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you got to give those guys credit. They fought back. Um, they believe that they can make plays. And, uh, you know, we had, we had a great defense. We had a great offense. We had a, you know, a hell of a special teams um, both years. I was there. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's now that I look at it and, uh, you know, I, I have the, I have the, the picture saved on my phone. You know, he, he's, he's not, he, he's not an end zone. sir. Parker. And I actually, uh, me and sir Parker are good friends. I sent him the picture and uh, he looked at it and he, Replied back to me, said that's not what the real scene. So it's clearly it's clearly showing that he's short. Yeah. But at, at, at the same time, you know, uh, uh, for me as a player, um, I, I couldn't let one bad thing, you know, take over all the great things we had accomplished that year. You know, the, the memories, the wins, the the locker room chatter, uh, the jokes, all, all all that for me um, still was major. It still had a major impact on me, and um, you know, I, I couldn't. The, the way I was built, and, and the way I was—I grew up. I couldn't let one bad thing, you know, make everything else go out the window. So, um, I know for a lot of K-State fans, they, you know, they wanted to see us play for the national title, and um, they wanted to see us, you know, finish that game off, get out of Missouri, and, and sit back and wait and see where, where, you know, we were going. Um, but for me, you know, it was—it was—it was, it was another game. It was—it was very important because I wanted to play for the national title. Um, being part of two national titles, you know, at JUCO, I had got that feeling. So I wanted that third feeling, and, and unfortunately, we didn't get it.
2: So there's a lot of, uh, and, and you know, fans like to come up with any sort of reasonings, but the two things that K State fans come back to is they announced a certain score at some point during that game. And uh, some folks like to say that Bill tried to tell the PA announcer, whatever you do, don't give score updates. Did you guys hear any UCLA score down there? Or is that just something that fans like to come up as this urban legend of Bill freaking out because they heard the score and got worried focus wouldn't be on the game?
0: Well, to be honest, um, from my standpoint, I I knew nothing about the score by UCLA or uh, who was it? Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. uh, yeah, so I, I, I knew nothing of it until after the game when one reporters come in and, you know, you talking to the media and they, and they was like, well, you know, Miami, such, such, Tennessee, Tennessee. Such, such. And I was like, oh, well, I didn't know. I was concentrating on trying to win, win this game today. So I, maybe some of the players that, that um, you know, were on the sideline, maybe they heard it, but uh, I don't recall hearing anything uh, during
1: the course of the game. So what was the reaction like when you found out, you know, after the game's over, um, we lose – and double overtime but to a top-ten opponent. But not only were you skipped over for a shot at the national championship, but that you fell all the way down to the Alamo Bowl. You know, how close mm-hmm. was that team to just deciding not to go at all?
0: Well, I'll tell you what. I think my, my friend Brent Harrison that was in Nebraska, I think he said the best. Because he, he asked me, say, Mike, did you really think they were going to let y'all play for the national title? And he was like, you know, you got to look at the situation. Uh, he said, you got Florida State, you got Tennessee. Well, they, bring a, they, they may bring a bigger crowd. And I was like, no, 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 K-State fans follow. So you can't use that. So I started thinking at that time, you know, are the bowls already pre-picked? Do they know who they're going to take in there? Because, you know, you have the bowl selection, but is it really a bowl selection? Because if it's a truly a bowl selection, we're sitting at one loss, there's no reason why we still don't play for the national title. And so that, that was my opinion about the whole thing. But um, we, we, we took a team vote, you know, and a lot of people don't know this, but it was about 95% saying, hey, we're not going to the Alamo Bowl. We don't We don't deserve to be in the Alamo Bowl. We're, we're a one-loss team, and uh, you got teams with, with two two losses, three losses going to better bowls than we are. So we were upset about it, but then, you know, last minute, you know, we said, hey, you know what, let's let's go do it. And, uh, you know, we went to San Antonio, and not everybody was on board. You know, we had a couple of guys, a uh, couple of starters who missed curfew.
2: Um, so – we talked about, uh, you know, some of the downside to what happened. But when when you look back to 98, how much of your memories are balanced by all the good? But, you know, you, you mentioned it. K-State got screwed out of getting to go to the national championship. You guys got screwed out of the Big 12 title. You were screwed out of a trophy. You rightfully deserve that Heisman trophy. It should be residing in your living room right now. So how do you balance all the good with, you know, all the, you know, Pain points
0: from that season. Well, you know, I look at it like this. Um, I think, you know, I'm, I was raised up in church. My dad's a pastor, so I think God takes you through through different situations to test your character, um, to test, uh, you know, test everything about being a being a, a athlete. And I think that during those course of time, everything was going so good uh, for me and my life, uh, my family's life. So I think, you know. At, at a certain point, God had, you know, shown me, hey, this is what it, this, this is top I brought you. Don't forget about me. And um, I think um, as for as the Heisman Trophy, that's no doubt in my mind that you know, I should have, I should have brought it back to K-State. You know, it, it should still be that K-State because uh, I'm, I'm pretty good friends with Ricky Williams. And uh, I, uh, about two years ago, I was at Texas, I was at Texas K-State game, and I was with him and his mom. And I asked his mom, I was like, hey, do you think your son won the Heisman? I gave it to him. And she kind of laughed and she was like, well, I'm glad he got it. But I asked Ricky, I asked Ricky straight up, I said, Rick, do you think you think I should have won it? And he told me, he was like, he said, man, if I don't break their rushing their record, you know, it's yours. And I told him, I said, well, I think, I think they laid down and let you uh, break a couple of runs. So we kind of laughed. Um, you know, he he, yeah, he he gave me, he gave me my props and he, you know, he basically told me that, you know, if he didn't win it, you know, he would love to see me win it. So, you know, I know, I know they only give it to one one player per year, but, uh, that year, uh, it should have been the first year where they gave it to two people.
1: Well, I, I it's number number seven for me. Yeah, I, I say
2: yes, we. Sir, appreciate I it. say we get a group of folks and we uh, do a stealth mission down in Austin and bring it back to where it rightfully deserves. I'll, I'll edit. <laughs> I'll edit this <laughs> out. I'll edit this part out so no one so no one comes looking for us. But I'll I'll uh, I'll get a group. We'll do black ops and try to try to get it back to the place where it rightfully belongs.
0: Hey, I will t- tell you what—you uh, you might not even have to do that. You know, he he he, lo- he loves to take uh, partake in in something special, so uh, <laughs> that might we might bond him with that. <laughs>
2: hey, 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 Well, hey, I- I'll, uh, I'll I'll <laughs> like, try to arrange that and anything to get where it rightfully deserves. I'll uh, I'll let you I'll right. let you get in touch with them and we'll we'll see if we can work out a deal. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. <laughs> get him on the show and have him just you know tell us himself. That you yeah. deserve it. I'd like to hear that yeah, from I, him.
0: I think he'll actually do it. i reached reach out to him. I think i get
1: him to do yeah, it. Yeah, well, hey. All right. We, we'd, love to <laughs> have, yeah, we'd love to have both of you
2: guys on and uh, have the public declaration of who really won it that year. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All
1: right, we're not going to take up too much more of your time. We're getting near the end, but uh, we hope we can get you on again and touch on some things we didn't get a chance to. Before we get there, um, we want to ask you a couple quick questions. But to finish to finish off the serious ones what were your thoughts on when bill uh decided to, to retire for a second time
0: well um to me i i, I actually was crushed because i i i got so used to seeing him on the sideline i got so used to you know seeing him you know pull 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 his little uh clipboard in front of his in front of his mouth and, and say some cuss words so i had got so used to seeing that and, and the two years i was there i was so used to it not. And the first thing I thought about it, I was like, uh oh, this guy this has this has to be a joke. I know he's not leaving like this. And then when I when I when it, re- when it really hit me, you know, I, I thought that, you know, it was something medical that he was gonna be leaving for. And um, you know, even the time when he left and Ron Prince came in and when he came back, I was I was excited. Um, you know, I know a lot of people uh they respect Bill. Um, you know, they, they were excited when he came back, but then this last time, you know, I, I said to myself, well, you know, and I spoke with him a couple of times. I was like, okay, this, this this is serious this time. He's not coming back. And um, I know he didn't want to leave. Um, you know, I don't think there's there's guys that have much success as he's had. And uh, you know, he, he's a hell of a coach. He, he he's been on some hell of a ride with some wonderful teams, wonderful players, wonderful fans. And so to step away from that for the last time, I, I know it's painful. Uh, but like I said before, you know, he's he's he's. he's he is, you know, Kansas State football. He's going to be in that stadium 24-7, you know, close your eyes and a couple of times you may see him, even though he's not in there. So he's always going to be a part of K-State football, and and uh, he has utmost respect from me.
2: So now we have a new coach, Coach Klotman. Uh What were your initial reactions when he got hired, and have they changed at all, or what are your thoughts about him right now?
0: Well, I, I, I did a little research on him, and, uh, you know, he's coming from a winning program, so... Um that helps. Um, you know, I've been watching some of the things online what they've been doing and um you know he's changing the, the spirit around K State. The uh, the guys are more loose, uh, they're having fun, they're doing different things. You know, they're able to you know be kids. Uh, they're talking about the, uh, and they pick up from there and everybody buys into the program it could be a special year
2: Grant? did we lose Grant? I'm back uh, baby I'm
1: back. back oh come <laughs> on Grant hey it's the connection man. you um, <laughs> <laughs> can't be talking
0: to Ricky while we're doing this man
1: no, <laughs> I, I got to clean my act up. <laughs> All right, so we're, we're kind of through the serious questions, um, but I, I, we want to ask you some fun ones here at the end, and I really want to ask you this question because there's a tale that I've heard about you. Um, I want to know if it's myth or if it's real that you were able to throw a football 93 yards in the air. Is that true? What's the long, What's the furthest you've ever thrown a football?
0: I'll tell you what, that is 100% truth. Um, I was at a case date uh, actually my first year there. And um, you know everybody wants to see how far I can throw it. So um, I, when I let it go, we marched it off. We, we, we you know, everybody was out there. It, 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 went 93 yards. But the killer part about that is Damian McIntosh came up right behind me and threw it 85
2: yards. Oh wow! That's...
0: Yes. So that yeah. So that's the part nobody knows about. But yes. So I, I was, I was, I know I can throw it, but I was more amazed about how far he
1: threw it. Well, so Damian should have been our second string quarterback, is what you're saying. Should have been Yes, sir.
2: <laughs> so here, here's the next question. Who is, who was the funniest teammate you had while at K-State?
0: I would have to say, um, th- these, these guys here, uh, nobody probably ever remember these guys, but, uh, when we when, on Friday nights, we had, uh, the cat bowl and, um, there were some guys on there. I think one of us from California, uh, is D- uh, Duran Tyler, uh, and there's also what's a name, uh, Bryce Libel. Those guys kept everybody laughing. They kept they kept comedy in the locker room. And whenever uh, whenever Coach something had got on everybody, and, and people were scared to say something in the locker room, or or just not want to say something, you can always you can always depend on those guys to make everybody laugh. Terrell Williams, uh, you know th- th- those guys, you know, are guys that kept everything together inside that locker room.
2: We heard about the cat bull from David Allen. He said that he intentionally would get burnt so they'd move him back to offense. So we've, we've heard tales. we've heard <laughs> tales of the cat bull. So I'd love to get some, uh, maybe, maybe off the record tales from some of those, some, from some of those games.
0: I'd say that, that cat bowl was exciting because some of the guys that have been practicing all week. You know, that, that that was their Saturday game. And we seen some amazing hits, some amazing throws, some amazing runs, um, those guys actually went out there, and, and, and a lot of those guys um, just had guys that was, you know, that was better than them in, in front of them that was playing on Saturdays. But I'll say 20%, 25% of those guys could have stepped in, and, and we wouldn't have missed the beat. So there was a lot of competition. Um, they geared up for it, you know. They, you know, in, in full uniform, you know, just like they was playing on Saturdays. So um, they should have been recording a lot of those cat bowl games because some of them were very exciting.
1: All right, so who, you know, aside from Damian McIntosh, was the second best quarterback to ever play at K-State?
0: Um, you know, I think uh, a lot of people may not agree with this, uh, but I watched him on, on uh, Matt Miller, and I lo- I loved the way he played in his game. Um, I love the things that he was doing as as a quarterback. Um, but then when you when you look at uh, when you look at guys who just made it happen, um, I'm gonna have to go between uh, L. Roberson and, and, of course, Klein with some of the things he did, but but I would have to go with L. Roberson after that.
2: Yeah, L. Roberson, he, he was uh, he was an electric guy as well. And, you know, with him and Darren in the same backfield, man, I tell you what, that's probably the second most exciting offense from behind the two uh, years you were there.
0: Uh, I, I totally agree with you on that one.
2: All right, so this is the last true question we have for you. Uh, we're big fr- fans of KSO. We're friends with Matt Hall. We know you're going to be uh, doing some work with them, but I want to get you on the record on our show. Give us your prediction for the 2019 K-State football record in Coach Kleiman's first year. Um,
0: before I said, I was saying seven seven wins, but I'm going to give them one more. I think they're going to have an eight-win season. Um, I think they're going to go to a good bowl, and I think they're going to win that bowl game. Um the, the teams that I think they may have to look out for what may surprise them is, you know, you, you get you got a you got a team coming from Texas which TCU and uh, I actually spoke with uh with the quarterback that transferred from that earlier today. And uh he's geared up and he has a lot of uh a lot of that he says he wants to release towards K State. So uh, it's gonna be a tough one, but um I know that K State and uh I know K State and everybody that's there are gonna be ready for uh, for his return to Manhattan. And so but but I give them I give them eight wins this year.
2: And I think uh, that'll be on the back of Skyler Thompson. How well do you think he's going to do now that he's not going to have to be worrying about looking over his shoulder, make one mistake, get pulled or anything like that? How big of a job is he going to make?
0: I think he's going to make a huge job. You know, like I said, it's, it's tough. It's tough when you got somebody behind you that's, that's eager to play and, and, and you have a coach that's, that's ready to take you out after, you know, one or two mistakes. And uh, he don't have to do that anymore. So now he can sit back, play his game. Uh, play with poise, make the right reads, get the ball out in time, and he can enjoy, you know, weekends. He can enjoy, he can, he can be, he can be himself. And uh, I spoke with him. Uh, I spoke with him in the parking lot, and so he's getting what he wanted. You know, he he, he prayed for this opportunity, and now it's right there in front of him. And now he has to step up and be a ball player.
1: Well, Michael, that's going to wrap up the show. That's episode 100 with the greatest of all time, our best quarterback, number seven. I mean that was an absolute pleasure. Sincerely, thank you for coming on. We want to give you this opportunity now to basically say whatever you want to our listeners and you know any other K-State fans that happen to hear this. Yeah,
0: to all the K-State fans, all the listeners. Hey, this 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 is one number one hundred. Um, I definitely enjoyed it. You know, let's, let's keep supporting the Cats. Let's 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 jump on this new band. Let's jump on this new band of players. Let's support them. Let's come out. Let's get them everything we got. I think it's going to be an exciting year. Uh, keep supporting. And every man, a wildcat.
2: You know it. Thank you so much, Michael. We love you. We love all the listeners out there. And uh, you know, this is number 100. Let's do at least 100 more.
1: Absolutely. Meet me at the Cathead. Yes, sir.
0: Lean, mean, money making machines serving fiends I've been in the game for 10 years making rap tunes Ever since Honeys was wearing Sassoon Now it's 95 and they clock me and watch me diamond shining Looking like I robbed Liberace It's all good from Diego to the Bay Your city is the bomb if your city making pain Throw up a finger if you feel the same way Straight putting it down for California, yay Network.